0: This is NFL.com's Coach's Show Podcast.
1: Forty men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's talking
0: them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coach's Show podcast. This week, we break down Peyton Manning's five-touchdown performance, the win over the Chiefs, and the coaching changes we'd like to see around the NFL. Plus, I go one-on-one with Vikings head coach Leslie Frazier on Adrian Peterson, the team's quarterback situation, and the overtime win against the Chicago Bears. The Coach's Show podcast starts now. Steve, let's uh, boy, what a week. I don't know about you, but between the Thursday games... Great weekend in college football, both Friday oh, and Saturday geez. night, and I watched it all. I watched you every did? single one, and then obviously the games we had. I don't know how much of you. I mean, are you worn out?
1: You know what? We're just getting started because it's getting very interesting. And you, you mentioned college football, and we're now with the uh, the championship games going to be played, and the uh, Auburn returning that. Field goal against Alabama. Oh my God! And, and and this is getting interested because now these games, for the most part, mean something towards the playoffs, and it's starting to get the nut cutting time.
0: Yeah, and when it particularly to the NFL, let's talk about obviously one of the big games or the biggest game in the in the AFC, maybe the Broncos and the Chiefs. Uh, I got to tell you, even though now the Broncos have swept the Chiefs and they had some issues, I yeah. was very impressed with the Chiefs. I actually feel maybe better about the Chiefs right now than I thought I would now that they're on a three-game losing streak. And, and probably for no other reason, I was very impressed with Alex
1: Smith and the way he played. Yeah. You know you just said, you're, you're more impressed with the Chiefs than before after this three-game losing streak. And that is, is interesting because, you know, Alex threw for almost 400 yards and a couple of t- – or 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and, and they seem to open up that offense just a little bit more. I think their issues, if they have any, they're not a perfect team, nobody is, would lie on defense. I think they're missing Justin Houston. It was a little bit like when the Denver was missing Vaughn Miller. Uh, this Justin Houston kid is a disruptor, and, and uh, they need him back healthy. They finally got Tom Lee back. He limped through that game a little bit. But uh, I think their issues will lie on defense going forward. It's still a very, very competitive team, and they're going to be right there.
0: It is. I thought they were a little stubborn in their approach. That. Poor Marcus Cooper now. At some point, and I know you like to play man. And you got to make it tough on Peyton Manning. you got to change it up. But at some point, don't you have to, you know, even the most confident of players, it's like, you know what, you won't offend me if you give me a little help over the top here.
1: That's the problem with, with teams now because of all the three and four wide receiver sets. You've got to be able to match. And so it's your fifth defensive back and or your sixth defensive back that has to play on the field. And if they're not quite up to snuff and Marcus Cooper's just a kid, he's just a rookie. And, and they found him and he comes in and nickel, but plays the corner and Brandon Flowers goes inside and uh, yeah, help the kid because it's not just this game. It's been several games now in a row. People know that he's susceptible to getting beat deep. And then he plays soft, and you can beat him underneath and make him tackle you. And so, yeah, help the kid out because, right, well, you help him out with the pass rush, too, and they haven't been doing that the last four games. Uh, they haven't been sacking quarterbacks to to get the ball out sooner. But help him with rush and help him with a safety, I think, is going to be imperative.
0: We've talked about it before, but I think the difficulty, and we saw it on Sunday with uh, Eric Decker having the four-touchdown performance. Playing the, the Broncos is like playing that that uh, arcade game, that whack a you know, with the – the, I
1: don't have any idea what whack is. You know, is.
0: it's when the, the squirrel points his head up and you smack him and then it comes up. There's like all these holes and it comes up and you don't, you got to find out which ones. It's, okay, Demarius Thomas, uh, we got to stop Demarius <laughs> Thomas because he's having a big game. Okay. And, okay, we do that, but then Wes Welker. Okay, now we're going to stop those two. Well, then Julius Thomas. Okay, we got them done. Now it's Eric Decker's turn. Uh, you can imagine next week. I got to believe that, yeah, like the whack game.
1: And then you hit that one over here. And, and then, then the other they, one jumps and then, up. And then you know what he does? He hands the ball off. They've got some running backs <laughs> right. over there, huh? Oh, my geez. And then and then uh, Monte Ball, he gets his 100 yards. Where did he come from? And I know he's from Wisconsin. Don't add, don't say that. But, you know, he, he's, he's been good. They've got a stable of receivers and running backs. And if they're all healthy, now Julius Thomas, he's just they're just saving him for later on, I guess. But uh, this is probably... The best supporting cast Peyton's ever had in his 16-year career, 17-year career. Probably the best supporting cast he's ever had. Uh, a couple injuries up front, I know that, but he gets rid of the ball quickly. And he's got weapons galore. Are we no longer,
0: I know it wasn't real cold there. It was no wind and it was 50 degrees. But remember last week, all we could talk about, oh, I don't know, Peyton Manning, cold weather, maybe this guy, I don't know. Are we Are we past that or are we going to have another conversation about him in the cold oh we
1: are because we're going there not this thursday night next thursday night san diego chargers Ah. at denver i've already packed my thermals okay and it's going to be cold and windy and crazy that night i think this thursday over there is supposed to be like eight degrees and so he's going to play in some more cold games i don't know if it's going to be as windy as it was in new uh new england but uh you know what? He he's still pretty good, isn't he? And and I know he hasn't won as many in the cold as as he won in the dome and all that. But forget about it. He was dynamite. through for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and he was just pinpoint. Whoa! He played great.
0: If it, I mean, I've been meaning to ask you this. And hmm. last week we both kind of said, well, you know what? Peyton in the cold weather, there does hmm. there's certainly hmm. a body hmm. of knowledge about that. Would you alter your play calling? Or would you, you know, we have to go to Peyton and go, you know what, I don't think you're real good in the cold weather, so we're going to do things a little bit different.
1: I don't know that he'd buy into that. But do you, would you alter it a little bit? Yes and no. I think I would. Be, to me, and I, and I coached in Green Bay. You know, you were in Minnesota, and that's a cold-weather city, but you had the so dome. We were in the dome. We yeah. didn't have the dome in Green Bay, all right? So, yeah, you alter how you practice. You, you, you alter how you warm up shorter and sweeter and you got bigger blowers on the sideline and you you alter how you play the game a little bit too you darn right you do and and if you think you're going to throw the deep comeback with accuracy six times in a game forget about it so you know the the things that are closer and, and in here are are, are are the ways you got to try to move the football in the passing game as much as you can but a lot of what's predicated as far as what they do is the box, and, and if, you, if, you, if you don't want Peyton to throw the ball every down and gash you in the passing game, you play coverage, you show a six-man or five-man box, and he runs the ball. Well, what kind of death do you want to have, slow death? Or right. quick? And, so, and so, you know, the defense predicates what he's going to do too, but I think the Patriots made him throw the ball outside a little bit uh, in right. that game, it seemed, and he missed some of those throws, so we say, oh, good plan. But, uh, hey, the guy's a great player. You know, I don't care where he's playing. So it's going to be interesting down the stretch here.
0: I don't know that I wouldn't try the experiment of going, okay, I'm going to show you a box, let you run every down. I'm going to put eight guys back there. I'm going to three men. I mean, okay. every single snap. Peyton, will you run the ball every single snap if I invite you to do that and see if he does it? I mean, because the yeah. other things doesn't have a, a high deal of success either. So let's talk about our buddy John Fox is coming back. Obviously, we're all glad to see him back. Let's talk about... How that might affect the Denver Broncos—the fact that their head coach is now back. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, it's been—it's—I I think it's going to be seamless. The, the transition when John was sick and had a surgery and stayed back home, you know, in Carolina for a while uh, with Jack. The communication was there. They didn't change anything. Uh, you know, they—they—they they, they stayed with the same routine and the same kind of schemes on both sides of the ball for the most part. And uh, I, I'm sure they're happy to have him back. You know how John is. He's a, he's a ball of energy, and he's, a, he's an optimistic guy. They're going to love having him back sure. just sitting there talking to him on the field and in the locker room. They, they love him. And so there will be some high energy about it. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, Jack Del Rio and his and his guys really held down that fort quite well.
0: And I think the happiest guy, and it's gonna, i got to explain a little bit, the happiest guy mm. in all the Bronco organization is Jack Del Rio. Because Jack covets being a head coach again, so I know he's enjoyed doing that, all but under unique circumstances. But I I guarantee you, he's happy about, you know, this is great. John's back. I don't have to do the other stuff that the head coach does. I don't have to talk to the media. I have to do those press conferences.
1: I hate those press conferences.
0: I I, 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 can just focus on doing the defense. (laughs) Jack's got to be thrilled to death that he can go back to just focusing on that defense now.
1: I know it. It's going to be like a breath of fresh air that he's just going to be a ball coach and not have to be the public figure. And so, uh, you know, and you're right. And Jack, probably going to be a head coach again. He did a heck of a job in Jacksonville. That's not an easy job. We all know that. Well, we've seen his fair share. since he's left, they're, they're <laughs>
0: like, oh, for the 80s, right? They're, they're like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it wasn't Jack Del Rio that was the problem down there. Yeah,
1: maybe it was bigger than that.
0: Just a little bit more. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's put, we get to be GM head coach here and commissioner. Oh, good. We're going to make some changes here. And uh, look around the league because we're now getting to that point where, like we always say, you are who you are. Your fingerprints, you put your fingerprints all over this team. Let's, let's if there's some things you could change and you could go in and say, I'm going to change this, I'll start off with one. I, 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 go. First off, obviously, Geno Smith and all this going on, the big questions. If I'm Rex Ryan, I'm going, <laughs> this guy's starting the rest of the way, come hell or high water. Geno. Geno Smith, because I got to find out. I got to know if the end, by the end of the year, whether I need to be go get me quarterback or whether this guy is going to develop to where I can hitch on to him and go. And and so uh but in order to do that if I'm if I'm Rex Ryan, I got to know from my management I'm okay, right? Cuz if you're telling me I got to win a couple games, I'm going to do whatever, but if it's okay, this is all about developing this team, what we're going to do going forward, I'm going to let this guy throw 50 times a game and learn everything he can over the next 4 or 5 games.
1: Well, I like your comment about I got to I got to know if I'm going to be here or not because you know, although they don't have a lot of alternatives, right, Brian? You know, no. you know is is Matt sin's going to save the day? He hasn't practiced much. He's you know he's very underprepared to, to play well. It's not even fair to him. So uh, hopefully Rex has done enough good things with that team in the leadership role to 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 be back next year, right? And and hopefully Geno Smith has had enough experience, and he'll get December here hopefully. Uh, to, to, he's got to come out of this funk, though, yeah. to me. You know, I'm a little worried about his confidence level, Brian, right. because the look in his eyes like, oh, my gosh, I'm not, am I good enough to do this? Is doubt creeping in? What do my teammates think? You know, the fans are booing. You know, and it's, it's been a tough deal. And it, it, that happens to rookie quarterbacks right. sometimes. And so you just got to – I think had they had a veteran backup to say, all right, take a break. Settle down. Watch this guy. Maybe we can spark a couple of wins here. Uh, but they don't have that luxury. And so, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Geno Smith. He's a good kid. And I'm rooting for Rex, too, and we both are. So let's see what happens. But yeah, play the guy. Yeah. Let him try to f- fight through this adversity and see what he's got.
0: Yeah, and he's going to start him this week, and I think that's a good move. I don't know. Good. He's probably not listening to Coach Show podcast, but he'll, he'll he be, be thrilled to know that we're, <laughs> we're in agreement with that. What, what, if there's something you're looking at, right, you yeah. boy, if I were so-and-so, Brian. I want to do this.
1: A couple, well, a few, few Thursday night games back. It's not about a, a player. This is about a league rule that I think is going to be addressed. And I'm on the player safety advisory panel, and, and we study the trends of injuries, you know, and all that stuff, and then make recommendations to the competition committee. And what happened against uh, Washington at the Vikings was the, uh, the Vikings only had 42 guys to suit up for that game and we get 46, all right, out of a 53-man roster, everybody suits up 46. So you choose who's going to be active. Some of those guys that are not active are hurt. Some of those guys are disappointed. But you both play 46 guys against each other. Well, the Vikings have 42. That's a competitive disadvantage in a big way. And so the discussion, Brian, right now a little bit is, and we're, we're talking about possibly proposing something where, hey, if you're that banged up and it never happened before where it's 42, then you can grab a couple guys from your practice squad who are already there, they know the system, they're available and they're healthy, you're ready, willing, and able to be activated for that game so you're 46 or closer to 46, so you don't have to start taking timeouts at the end of the game because your guys are so tired, or maybe you help out with special teams, whatever that is, but to, to, to keep it even, uh, so nobody has a competitive advantage. That's a situation that we're going to address here, I think, in the off season.
0: Wow, yeah, you know now, and I will tell you, and 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 I still consider us part of the coaching fraternity. And I don't mean to, to get down on our brethren, but boy, I see abuse written all over that. Guys, manipulating the raw. I need this position up. I'm short at this, so you know what, son, you look a little peaked. You don't look, no, coach, I'm fine. No, 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 you don't look like you feel yeah. good because I need an extra tackle here, and I got plenty of safeties. You know what? You just look a little flush to me. Coach, I'm fine. No, you don't understand. Can't you see a lot of, a lot of abuse
1: in this? Brian, you have a devious mind. Well, I have and a maybe realistic it's just mind. For th- maybe it's just for Thursday night games where it's a short week, and we're finding oh, that, Brian, get this, we're finding that there are fewer injuries on Thursday nights can you believe that? Yeah, there no, are fewer injuries by far on Thursday nights per game. And But but the but the reasoning, we're trying to brainstorm why this might be. Two reasons. Number one, we're not practicing at all in pads that week. It's a short week. To, we're in pajamas or shorts or meetings and walkthroughs. Very limited in terms of the physical nature of practice that short week. The other thing is teams are holding out players that are the, the concussion guys hard to get back yeah. because of the protocol that you have to go through. And it's not quick enough sometimes, or if I, I've got an ankle and it's, eh, it's maybe uh, they hold them off on Thursday night where they maybe would have played on Sunday. So that's the other reason, but certainly we're trying to keep the Thursday nights as fair and doable as possible. And that's just one thing on a Thursday night. Yes. You'd have some guys. Uh, hey, you're kind of hurting tonight. I need to see this young kid. Um, and we would have to figure out how to, Keep people from yeah. getting tempted to do that, that devious Brian Billick thinking. <laughs>
0: well, you're, you're in the loop on that, so I don't, I don't dispute <laughs> you on that Thursday night. But I think someone's cooking the books on that stuff.
1: Right. <laughs> I, I got to see the numbers
0: on that. All right, let me ask you this, because I just did mm. the Chicago-Minnesota game. And Leslie Frazier, really one of the good people in this league. If, if you have a problem with Leslie Frazier, it's you, because he's a good guy. His quarterback situation, he goes from ah. Ponder and he goes then to Castle and they bring in Freeman, they give him three million, he goes half a quarter, and then he's out, and then they go back to Ponder, and now they're feeling pretty yeah. good about him. Now Ponder goes down, <clears throat> did nothing in the game, and Matt Castle comes in and lights it up. Second half, he's up and down the field. So I'm I'm the head coach of the Vikings. Now I'm Leslie Frazier, and I'm calling my buddy Mooch, say, Mooch, what do I do with this? Oh, yeah, so let's, let's assume Ponder can play. What do I do with this? I gotta play Castle, don't I?
1: You know what? I, I, I was thinking, why don't you play Josh Freeman? Just let him play now. They played him with one week of practice earlier in the season, and he was obviously not ready to play in that system, okay? But he didn't even suit up in this last game. And I, they paid three, whatever $3 million or whatever it was. I, I, unless they really know for sure they're not bringing him back next year, I would say if we're out of the playoff chase, why don't we just see if the kid has anything to offer So we can make an educated decision here on whether we draft another quarterback or we keep this guy or whatever. I think they know what they have in Christian Ponder. I like the kid a lot. He's a a guy that I've known from way back before the draft. He did game changers, and he's a smart guy, and he's athletic. You know what he is. I think they know what he is. Um, And Matt Castle, don't know if he's even going to be there next year, Brian. Mm -hmm. You know, so it seems like it's so much in flux and it might be one of these three guys or it might be a draft choice that starts next year or maybe it's a free agent. I don't know. But they need to, I think, exhaust all of their resources and time and say, all right, are we sure it's not going to be Josh Freeman? Maybe play the guy one more time.
0: Yeah. And I don't and I have I have no knowledge of this because I didn't have this conversation with them because uh, not that they would share that with me, but the fact that he wasn't even up for the game, I think yeah. tells you they've already made that decision in, in whatever like way. It. And for whatever, you know, given the limited data they had on it, but uh, well, let's, 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 uh, let's find out. I had a chance to uh, sit down and visit with head coach, Leslie Frazier. And let's talk about that. <laughs> Old Minnesota Vikings, pulled out a gritty overtime win against Chicago bears sending and joining us now is head coach, Leslie Frazier and, and Leslie appreciated, Seeing you in the locker room afterwards, that was pure joy on your face <laughs> talking about that unbelievable win.
2: Oh, great win, coach. Hard fought win. Uh, taking it into overtime, and you know, we've had back to back overtime games now. And uh, for our guys just to keep fighting and overcoming adversity, uh, so proud of the way they, the effort that they gave.
0: And let's talk about that a little bit because the emotional toll on you when you go through overtime games and you've gone, you have gone, you went through the overtime and, and, and tied with uh, Green Bay, and then this game it's in overtime, and the up and downs. I mean, you have this thing won with the field goal, and then there's the yeah. penalty on Red Ellison. Talk yeah. about holding your team together emotionally when that would be a prime
2: time for your team to just emotionally wear out. Oh, you're, you're right about that with – the things that had happened uh, for us during the season. We've been in a number of ball games that have gone down to the wire and we've fallen short. So here we are. We think we've won the game uh, with the game-winning field goal, and then we see a, a yellow flag on the field. And I'm walking on the field to go shake hands with Mark Tressman and say, you know, good luck on the next rest of your season. And the official is waving everything off and telling us to get lined up again and play another play. I'm going like, oh, man. Uh, but the key for us was, and we talked about this going to that ball game, that there were going to be some, some up-and-down moments, and we had to be able to persevere at home, and our guys found a way to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, obviously, Adrian Peterson, you guys ran for over 200 yards. I know the Bears have struggled on defense a little bit, but still, they did just what you're getting used to. They're putting yeah. eight and nine guys. Mel Tucker, the defensive coordinator for Chicago, uh, we had a shot of him on the sideline getting after his guys, going, guys, I've, I've, we've got every body there we can throw. We can't have more than eleven guys in the box. You got to get it stopped. Yeah. Yet still, Adrian just keeps pounding away and
2: getting yards. Yeah, you, you, you know we've grown accustomed to seeing nine man fronts, eight man fronts, sometimes even ten guys at the line of scrimmage, and uh, so that's nothing new for us because of the great back that we have in Adrian Peterson. Uh, the fact that we were still able to run the ball successfully is a credit to our offensive line, but also a credit to the greatest running back in our game. Uh, Adrian. I mean, he broke tackles, he made guys miss, and, you know, he just did a terrific job all day long.
0: Yeah, the just the sheer physicality of Adrian. We've seen the jump cuts, we see the explosion and the speed and whatever, and then he converts that into pure power. It's amazing to see. Now, I'm interested in Cordero Patterson, who's your first-round draft yeah. choice and, and is getting more and more involved with the game plan. You put him in the back, and he goes yeah. the distance for a touchdown. Two parts on that, you know, how, how you continue to try to find ways to get him involved. But two, now – let me get this straight. You're going to take Adrian Peterson out of that position and put Cordero <laughs> Patterson in the eye and let him run it. Yeah. Talk about the mentality of that.
2: Well, we wanted to be able to change it up a little bit. We, when we were scouting Cordero, when he was at college at the University of Tennessee, that was one of the things that he did good, catching the football out of the backfield or catching the toss and, and, and running with it. So we wanted to be able to incorporate that into our offense as well. So we've kind of had it in our back pocket throughout the year, and we finally got to it. And I think it kind of caught Chicago off balance a little bit. I don't think they really prepared for that. Uh, but it is a little bit different taking Adrian out of the backfield, spreading him out, uh, and giving it to someone else. But in this case, it worked out well. 33-yard touchdown.
0: Now, and again, we've had this conversation many times in the times that I've had your games and, and dealing Obviously, with the quarterback situation is the most difficult thing a head coach can do in terms of that transition. You have Christian Ponder. You feel like he gives you the best chance. You're hoping he does well, coming off a pretty good game. And then he goes out early with a concussion. Matt Castle comes in and plays really brilliantly. Did a fabulous job, but neither offense did much in that first half. And then here comes Matt Castle, and he kind of ignites you. Uh, I know you're probably still not sure what Christian's status will be because obviously you go through the protocol, but talk about – this mm. movement of the quarterback position and how you te- keep your team focused when you're changing the quarterbacks for a lot of different reasons.
2: Well, I mean, you and I both know that is the key position on every team in the NFL, and uh, we've kind of been in flux at that position most of the year. And we, we wanted we wanted to get it settled down with Christian playing well and just solidifying the position, and then he gets injured uh, in the first half of the ball game, leaves with a concussion. Matt comes in and does exactly what you just said. He played brilliantly down the stretch for us. Some key throws uh, in the clutch in the fourth quarter lead us down to a, a game-time field goal to get it in overtime. And then some great throws in overtime to help set up a field goal as well. So uh, he's done a great job in that role as a backup. Uh, he's one of the best uh, in, in that role. And you know, we're looking forward to seeing what happens uh, with Christians and going through the NFL protocol with concussions. And depending on what happens with him will determine, you know, who's going to be our starter for this next ballgame.
0: How do you help the team deal with that? I mean, with the players, whether it's individually or, or collectively, to try to help them because they want that one leader and it's hard and it yeah. changes. It. When Matt Castle came in the very first thing, you had a procedure penalty because it's a different cadence, a different snap. It's just different with a different quarterback. How do you help the team negotiate that?
2: You try to get every guy to focus on their job and not get caught up in who's the quarterback, who's playing wide receiver, who's playing tailback, but to really focus on their job. Now, that's, that's a little bit more diff, easier said than done uh, because the quarterback, he's like the captain of the ship when you're out on the field. But uh, that's, what the, that's, that's what we emphasize over and over again. Concentrate on your job, do the very best that you can at what you do, and that will help our quarterback position.
0: You've had two overtimes. I want to ask you about the decision when you win the toss to either take the ball or defer it and give it to the opponent. We saw a couple, you know, last week, the big one with Bill Belichick deciding to opt for his defense. You know, giving Peyton Manning the ball first, I I don't know. (laughs) You think you'd have done that, coach? But is there a mentality where sometimes it's, you know what? I am gonna I'm gonna go on defense first thinking we'll hold. Now we'll get the better field position. They've had their possession. Right. Now all I have to do is kick a field goal. I mean that's part of the thought process, isn't it?
2: It is and, and the, the the thing that factors in and maybe it did in the New England game, I'm not sure, is the weather conditions. In our case yesterday, uh the wind wasn't a factor. Uh we're playing indoors, so the elements aren't a factor at all. So we wanted the ball because with the new rules, I mean, you score first, you score a touchdown. The, game, the game's over. You're going to win the game. The other team never will see the football. So uh, you want the football. You want to be able to possess the ball unless the elements are, are part of the equation. If they are, then that may change your thinking a little bit. And in your
0: game, the second half, the offenses were kind of up and down the field, you know, going pretty good. And obviously, Josh McCown was playing very, very well. Sean Jeffrey, what, what a performance huh. he had the other day. I mean, just that yeah. catch along the sideline was just spectacular. They were on a roll and feeling good about themselves. Did you think about maybe uh, giving them the ball first just for field position? You thought, no, I want this thing in our hands first. Because you guys were playing well in the second half as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, they had a, a good third quarter. As you mentioned, Alshon had some nice catches. Uh, but they didn't score in the fourth quarter. Uh, we felt like we had kind of caught up to some of the things they were doing, and we shut them down in the fourth quarter. Uh, going to overtime, obviously they didn't score in overtime. Uh, so we felt pretty good getting the overtime and hopefully getting our offense to football first. That didn't work out. They got the ball first. Fortunately, our defense stopped them, got the ball back, and we had a chance to win it. And as we talked about earlier, you know, the field goal was called back. But uh, you know, we felt good going into overtime, taking the ball if we had won the toss. Yeah. Well, you got to go into Baltimore this week. Good. Good
0: luck, Coach. I know that's that's always a tough game, but congratulations on a big win. Thank you, Coach. Well, it's always great anytime we can visit with a coach here on the Coach Show podcast, and and uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. That leads me to my next conversation this Wednesday on my NFL.com under the headset Com. We're talking about, you know, kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does a coach make a quarterback or does a quarterback make a coach? And there's a lot of examples both ways. Steve, we've been on both ends of this equation, and and one that comes to mind right now that the big question is, Nick Folds, guy's doing unbelievable. Is this Nick Folds making Chip Kelly's offense look good? Or is this Chip Kelly and that offense making Nick Foles look good?
1: What do you think? Ah, that's probably a little of each. You know, Nick Foles was pretty darn good in college, too. You know, at 6'6", and he could sling it, and he was very productive. Uh, it, you know, I, I think it's a good match, all right? I don't know if it's a match made in heaven or whatever you would call it. But, yeah, Nick Foles is just surprising, shocking, really, all of us as far as his decision-making. You know, he's not as quick a, a runner as Michael Vick. But he's a quick thinker, quick decision maker. Gets the ball out and buys time if he needs to. And yeah, boy, nineteen touchdowns and no interceptions. Are you kidding me? Um, but you know, would, would Vince Lombardi be on the trophy if he didn't have Bart Starr? Probably not. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I I remember Brian when when I was when you and I were kids. <laughs> um, you remember that far back, huh? Yeah, I do. Um, back in the state system in California. No, not that <laughs> far back. But when I was coaching with uh, Mike Holmgren, it, 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 with Brett Favre, you know, if Brett, if we didn't have success with our quarterback, if Brett Favre would have went someplace else or hurt his knee or whatever, then I wouldn't have had the opportunities right. that, that I normally – that I got. Neither would John Gruden or Marty Morningwig or Andy Reid or all of us. You know what I mean? So, so because of the success that that quarterback's had – you know, we were we were fortunate enough to get an opportunity saying, hey, you know, we'd like to bring that kind of a system here. So you know how that works. Sure.
0: I, every great coach you bring up, you could typically, if you ran down it and just threw it out there, you you could say a quarterback comes to mind. Absolutely. But, but one jumps out, a perfect example, Marlevy. This is a Hall of Fame coach and a great coach. He's proven that. But obviously the success they had in Buffalo and, and with a Jim Kelly, and you look outside of that, it's not an indictment of Marv Levy. He's in the Hall of Fame, my gosh. But not a lot of success outside of that time frame where he had a, a Jim Kelly. And I don't think that's an indictment of a coach. That's just that's the combination. It is a marriage, and it's going to be a combination. I think, in my mind, to me, that's why a guy like Joe Gibbs may be one of the greatest coaches of all time. Because he won a yeah. Super Bowl with three different quarterbacks. Three different quarterbacks. Joe Steisman, Doug Williams, and Mark Ripien. And not that's to say true. that, you know, Bill Walsh isn't the ones he won with the Joe Montana. You can't diminish that at all or anybody that's had that run. But, but the fact that he did it with three different guys, I think, is substantial.
1: Yeah, you know, I was going to bring that up, too. That's the exception, though, to the rule. And so, uh, you know, it, the coach in Bill Belichick, you know, he coaches 300th game. Brian, how great would you and I be if we had 300 games under our belt? Oh my gosh. And and of course he's he's joined at the hip with a guy named Tom Brady, but um and he didn't have that kind of success in Cleveland. We all know that, but, or but the still, first that- year
0: in New England as well. I'm taking that, I mean Bill Belichick is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. He's got 3 Super Bowls, enough said. You you don't have to have a conversation about Bill Belichick being a great coach. But when you look at his record without Tom Brady, it, it's not a great record. It's a record that would typically put you on the proverbial hot seat so you know it's interesting and and i don't know that you could i think it would diminish a quarterback by saying you know well it's just the brilliance of a bill walsh that made joe montana and Steve. well that's ridiculous but the other way as well to to not to not to diminish the fact that that uh you know yeah this quarterback has made that coach very successful and uh, it's just interesting conversation Uh, let's let's get to uh the weekend, and boy, there's a lot to look at. What jumped out at you from the weekend?
1: Well, you you mentioned it earlier, Brian. This uh, there's a new sheriff in town in Philadelphia. His name is Nick Foles, and I'm I'm, I'm waiting for the kid, Brian, to have a bad day, or a, or a bad series. <laughs> the kid just keeps on slinging it to the end zone. Luck has been on his way on his side. Uh, he's he's well. He got he got an interception. Patrick Peterson picked him off. <laughs> Called back holding on some other guy. (laughs) Um, So, but anyway, I've just been very, very impressed with this kid. And not so much the offense, not so much you know that they're right there with the Cowboys in the in the NFC East. But he has he just steady as she goes. I mean, anybody, any Hall of Famer would love to have this kid's numbers right now. And so, you know, I'm still waiting for him to have that bad game. But he just simply had 19 touchdowns, zero picks. And he's probably going to beat Peyton Manning's record. He just tied him one time with seven touchdowns in a game. Well, he's going to beat the record with more than 20 touchdowns and no interceptions to start a season. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm still waiting
0: for, you know, like everybody, I'm looking to size up the the playoff pool and who I really want, what bandwagon I want to jump on because I'm a bandwagon jumper real easy. Oh, I knew they were going to be good all along. But I'm still waiting for that substantial road win but to validate to me, boy, these guys are going to be good. These are the, that's what I'm waiting for. We're gonna we're gonna find we're out. Team, that's we're team. Exa- yeah, that's exactly. I mean, we had some good road wins. Don't get me wrong, uh, but but I'm talking about a road win against a playoff caliber team. That that and again, I'm you know obviously Denver. You have to look at going into Kansas City. So, I think that's probably a solid one that we have to consider. New Orleans, we're going to find out on Monday night. New Orleans going into Seattle. That could be, to me, that's going to be huge. If New Orleans can go into Seattle, and, and for a lot of people that, that listen to the podcast, we do this on Monday, so we don't know the result of that score. So if you listen to it on Tuesday or Wednesday, don't be going, well, you stupid idiots, we just saw that so-and-so won. <laughs> but if New Orleans can go into Seattle, this is a huge game because I think if they can get that kind of road win, Seattle going into San Francisco, that's going to be a big game. I want to see the winner of that game uh, going forward. I'm still waiting. To jump on the bandwagon in that team that has that big road win. And I don't know that I've seen, other than we saw Carolina in San Francisco. Well,
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you one. Yeah, right, and one. I'll tell you another one in San Francisco because the Colts came here to San yep. Francisco and won a big 27 to 7 in Candlestick. Are you kidding? So that was a big one back then. And that's, uh, San Francisco was a little wounded at the time, and the Colts were a little healthier at the time. And so I think both teams have changed a little bit since Yeah, they're a then. different team right now. And you've got to remember, Brian, you've been to, the, you've been to Candlestick a few times, so this is it. This is the last hurrah in Candlestick because they're moving to their new stadium over there, Levi Stadium, win one for the zipper next year, which is going to be an awesome stadium. Uh, so this is it for Candlestick. So this crowd, these crowds are going to be really big. And Seattle's got to go to San Francisco on a short week after a huge game against the Saints.
0: I don't, you know, and speaking of the stadiums, I'd be remiss because I got to do it uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. The, you know, they're leaving the old yeah. Metrodome, you know, the roller yeah. roller dome that Mike Ditka used to. I love that place. You know, I was there for eight years and you were in Green Bay. I loved it because we used to kick your ass all
1: the time. When we I hated it, Green Bay. it. I'll tell you why I hate it. Because you guys, and I'm putting you on here because you have a devious, devious mind. You would put that, those speakers down there and just no. blow sound and something way louder than it should have been. No. And I know you guys will deny it to your death.
0: You don't know and we had those speakers under the turf. That noise could come up underneath you. And I, <laughs> the thing I love about it, you guys keep, when you come in, because you had a stent there. You, you couldn't beat us in Minnesota, in the dome. And I know your, your boss, Mike Holmgren, you kept changing hotels. So, you'd go one and you couldn't win then. You go, And then the one I love the last, you stayed in Lacrosse, I think, <laughs> or, or River Falls. I'm not even going to stay in the Oh, yeah, Minnesota. we bust from Green Bay we're gonna the day of the bus. game. Yeah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bust from River Falls and stay in the Motel 6 in River Falls because we're tired of getting beat here in, in Minneapolis. So but well. I was
1: always shocked on how many Packer fans would show up at those games in Minnesota. Oh, it made me so mad. There'd be 15,000 or so cheese hats and, and I used and
0: to and I saw the same thing I was in Baltimore when the Ravens fans we had great fans but there'd be all those Steelers fans what, what is I, up with that well what that that's, people
1: sell their tickets they scalp their tickets and you know what they? I
0: used to do I couldn't do it as a coordinator It wasn't my place that was Denny Green's job but when I got to Ravens I, I got on the on the airwaves to my people and said look I want names you know who the <laughs> guy is that has a season ticket next to you if that's a Steelers <laughs> fan I want names you give me the names of the guys <laughs> that's selling his Ravens season ticket and got a stealer there cuz I want it's you know it's like on the pedophile list I want uh, that thing on the paper oh my god I want it, I want it listed there <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to embarrass uh, you it. folks for selling
1: selling her tickets to the rival that's an outrage that is it's unbelievable right. well yep. well that's
0: all the outrage we have this week on the coach's show podcast make sure to download us on iTunes and it's getting di- uh, interesting now as we got the the dash for the cash here in December come back and see what coach Mariucci and I have to talk about next week here on the coach's show podcast